0: laid down before for them to walk into this lovely, you know, conditions, this lovely environment. Maybe that's where maybe we can even talk about in this is who we think some people of influence are who have helped bring us from A to B. Some of the change because this didn't happen overnight. Some people deserve some credit. Some influences over the last decade. I mean this thing is piece by piece we built this bad boy and we've seen it moving. As well as like memories and the whole nine, like some of the changes we've seen, but I don't know. What you guys think? The
1: sport has right. changed just dramatically over the past decade. And and you know, I, I really haven't been in powerlifting the whole decade. I think 2012 was about when I started. And that's kind of uh, my lens. And I guess my lens from there was was pretty nationalistic. Like I didn't know a whole lot about world powerlifting. So I'll, I'll be coming to this conversation from that point of view. And I guess more uh, at a world level at about mid mid-decade so 20 2015 and and later um but yeah i'm I'm excited we'll have some good stuff to talk about
0: here's the thing if if i'm being honest um the decade really took off when the ipf went raw yeah you didn't not to say you didn't miss anything but you didn't miss like the in terms of the the growth the exponential growth came on the second half like up until then it was it was moving but somewhat at a snail's pace like the the Boom goes the flip and dynamite when that IPF decided we're going raw. Like, holy moly. Um, and then we got all types of people in terms of like new people entering the game. But uh, who,
2: how do you guys? Uh, I'm, I'm curious because I would agree with you that, I mean, those things are, are timed together. Um, do you think that it would have happened if, uh, if the IPF didn't go raw? Cause there was uh, raw, Competition at the national level in the United States and and in other larger uh, countries with larger powerlifting uh, organizations, but the IPF actually hosted the the classic first Classic World Cup in two thousand twelve and the first Classic World Championship in two thousand thirteen. So I'm I'm curious to, to your thoughts on. That.
0: Yeah. Okay. So honestly, I remember I used to lift when I first started powerlifting. is two thousand seven. And when I got involved, and I can only assume a lot of people, the, the IPF was only equipped, and I could not see any any I, I was not into equipment at all. And I didn't understand why why use equipment. It, for myself, like why use a bencher? I just wasn't into it. Wasn't into I didn't even want to try it out really. I was listed lifting in other federations, like smaller feds, but the IPF wasn't. Like a household name either. Like they were all like. I remember my buddy was in the IPF, um, and this is in Canada. He showed up at the Ontario provincials. One other dude was in his weight class. You know what I mean? Like there was no. Uh, it's just powerlifting itself was in a different place, and that decision. I remember the Arnold Classic went raw. Uh, USAPL had a raw division, and it helped. It helped for sure. But when the IPF decided, I remember I was in a different Fed, and I was like, oh, please, IPF, go raw, because it's going to be, I knew, everyone knew I was going to jump ship. Everyone was jumping ship. Guys like Lane Norton, who were doing bodybuilding as well as powerlifting, he started off in a different Fed because he's probably like me. He wanted to go raw, wasn't really into it. And as soon as um, USAPL raw and then the IPF, Gaston Praj, who I think is one of the, in terms of the last decade, got to be one of the most influential people, he said, we're going to host the cup. The, world, the, the raw cup, and if it's successful, we're going to pull the trigger and make an IPF raw worlds. And as soon as you decide that, and it, the raw world cup, you send whoever you want to send, whatever, it's kind of a tester. Once the IPF decided raw worlds, that means every single federation is going to have raw nationals, raw state slash provincial, all the way on down. So then the infrastructure is laid on a global basis for raw. I man it, tracking like i was there like five years before and then the five years after not even fucking close man it, it was like seriously it was not even the, the growth was insane we went from like slow gains to five years before when i started to like holy moly i think i think for sure um definitely on a global factor and even the fact that in the, in the u.s Knowing you had, you could go to a world championship and had world-class competition, like battling guys from the other side of the world it feels more legitimate. Here's something that some of the untested is dealing with now is not having that big global meet where everyone around the globe faces off. And it's kind of everyone's fractured. In when I started powerlifting, everyone's fractured. You know, because we, if you wanted to be raw, everybody's fractured. And because the IPF said, we're going to house a raw equipped, We all had a home. And now I got people who hit up King of Lifts and say, why don't you, why don't you post like uh, the USPA drug tested raw? And I'm like, my friend, why are you in the USPA drug tested raw? (laughs) I don't mean disrespect, but if we're all under, we got to get all under the same umbrella. I don't understand why you wouldn't be if unless there's a crazy political reason on somebody's part, let's all, I don't know, do you like knee wraps that much? Because- if not, let's all get under the same umbrella. We're better off all together. Right?
3: There was just one thing I wanted to piggyback off what Mike was kind of getting at. And uh, so like when you talk to people about this, there are these two kind of reoccurring reasons as to why powerlifting has basically exploded in, in popularity in the last kind of five, six years. One being the move in the IPF to, to to Raw Classic and the other one being the the influence of social media. If you were to rank those two, which would you put above the other? I mean, for instance, do you think that we would have seen similar growth if we didn't have the move to classic raw or has social media had that much of an influence? Or do you think that it's 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 gotta be both?
0: You wanna go first, Mike? Are you directing that to Mike? <laughs> well that's
3: to I'm throwing that out to whoever wants to catch it.
0: You guys go first if you want. I know I got my opinion on it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know, man. I, I, I think that you might not get one without the other. Mm. I think social media, like if you had IPF raw without social media, do you get the same growth? I don't know. Probably, probably not quite to the same extent. Um, but then do you get the same growth if you, you know, if, if you've got social media, but no competition to, to house it, I mean, I mean, I think it still grows, but to the same extent, I don't know. I don't know how would would have to rank them. Um, and for me, like I would look at, at CrossFit being a major influence for this as well. There are a lot of athletes that come from that background, you know, and and I mean, popularity is kind of a funny thing that snowballs by itself anyway, you know, that if you get more people involved in a thing, then more people know about it, and then more people get involved with the thing.
4: Yeah. This yes,
1: true. I'm I'm giving a nod to social media for sure. It just nothing else has allowed anyone in any country to have direct access to the best athletes in the world and to see what their training is like and their motivation, and especially when kind of Instagram took off and I guess we could, we could look up to see when that was, but just a purely visual platform where that's all powerlifting is, its visual. It's, it's training, it's the lifts. It's, it's you know, it's, it's how I want to lift like that. That was such a, a huge integral part of, of the growth of the sport. Um, that I'm definitely giving the leg to that. And, and sure, the fact that there is a competition uh, makes a lot of difference too, but the world championships is, is once a year and social media is every day. It's every second of every day, you know, in, in every time zone. So um, maybe that changes the content of the the post if you didn't have a world championships or nationals or that narrative to, to drive things. But I think the the visual part of powerlifting was so huge for its growth and, and stuff like that. I'd I'd love to get in a little bit um, soon to talk about kind of how CrossFit got in that. But um, Ryan, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this question.
0: So here's what I'm thinking. I agree. Social media is absolutely, our sport and social media have taken to each other. Like, like no other, if you, if you honestly think our sport, it's French, it's a French sport, niche sport, but we have people with over a million followers. We got people rolling up on a million followers thinking about Larry Wheels, Steffi Cohen. Um, I mean, it's crazy what our sport has become on top of social media. However, the if it was only equipped, I think that barrier in terms of taking athletes like for people coming from CrossFit, people coming from you know football players, etc., if they were to pop on a live stream or fi- find out about powerlifting and show up and have to Put on shirts, et cetera. It's a big. I don't know if we would have collected them the same. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I think that was barrier in terms of collecting. You know, when we're vying for the youth, and um, it's it, you know, it's tough because like like you had said, Bryce. If you look back at the timeline, the Instagram and the, the RAW both came on roughly the same time, and it was beautiful marriage. You know, it was perfect timing for us to be like, yes, let's take it to the next level. Um, if we're talking social media, another thing I'd like to throw in is the live streams. One thing that Gaston Paraj said he wanted, and and he's done an amazing job, is it has to be a class like you like you're putting on ESPN. I don't know if that's international, but you guys probably have you know Sky Sports or whatever. Um, it's got to be like you turned on the TV, and that also helps people when they tune in. And it looks like they're watching a for real sport to be like, I want to get involved in this. As opposed to previously, you see some live streams, other different federations, man, it's like you're there. you got the local high school breaking out their cameras and they're doing it for a a film credit. You know what I mean? Like for the, to to get a credit in high school. And, um, Gaston's like, this isn't going to do, if we're going to get, like major sponsors, if we're gonna attract athletes and some if you're gonna tell anybody, check me out, I'm actually lifting. Bryce, Mike are like, hey, I'm gonna be at the world championships. Arthur is like telling his boys, check me out, and they watch it and they're like, Oh my god, this looks like a for real TV and it's real sports, and this is legit, it looks exciting, you want to get involved. Same with sponsors. And we got on the Olympic channel because of that. So I don't know if that's also nestled in with social media, but I think that was also a major part is the ips vision anyway it's not a lot of other feds backed back streams quite like this but their vision of our social our stream has to look a a plus quality
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so going back to the the raw equipped thing um that had to be one of the the biggest things for growth and, and there's nothing wrong with equipped lifting but I, I don't think it has the same appeal to masses that raw powerlifting does for a few reasons it's easier to train by yourself when you're doing raw powerlifting like you don't need a special gym or special equipment uh it has a lower cost uh to enter uh the sport so you don't need uh, equipment or to even know other people who do powerlifting you can start up with what you already have and you don't need special equipment or anything like that um and it looks a lot more like uh, training or athletic movement or something like that. So it's it's a little bit more relatable for people. And that may stem off some of the interest um, from CrossFit as well, which admittedly is a huge part of the reason why a lot of people got into powerlifting.
0: How big do you guys think the CrossFit influence is? Do you think it's, it's massive or, or do you think it's right up there with social media and um, going raw? You think so?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: yeah Yeah. as far as like uh who's coming to like local competitions i mean maybe the demographic has shifted a bit in the last couple years but i think most of what you saw in the the you know first half of the decade i would say is got to be from that and that's why i was a little bit more hesitant to give the nod to social media because i'm thinking like are all those crossfit people coming to powerlifting competitions cuz they saw somebody doing powerlifting on social media or is it part of the culture of the box that they're coming from you know um now do they stay in powerlifting and and what kind of a, an effect does social media have i mean I'm, i think you guys are, are right on with with a lot of that but i think that even without it you would have got a lot of that effect you know people come into uh, come into powerlifting from some other physical activity, you know.
0: Well, what do you guys see? You know, you said it. Whether when they come in, whether or not they stay. What do you guys see? The lifespan of the average lifter. I'm not talking the person who makes it to the top. I'm talking the person who reaches the limit, sees where it is. It's probably somewhere in the middle, and then either stays and and keeps loving it or leaves. What do you guys cuz you guys have been around the block. You've seen a lot of people come and go. I guarantee the amount of people you coached come and go and they just go as in the sport go. What do you guys think the average span is?
1: That's a it's a difficult question, but I think somewhere around 5 years is the difference between maximizing the easy potential that you don't need to to learn or to dig super deep and the point where you have to take powerlifting very seriously uh after that so that that time four to five years or something like that is kind of a tipping point i think
3: it's interesting because i work in a facility that is only six years old so and we kind of we kind of went head first into powerlifting i'd say about five years ago um maybe a little more at this stage but we've actually not passed beyond that stage where we could say what the average lifespan is. So for us, we've seen a lot of people come and go within like 18 months, two years. And it gets to the stage where they either hit that first real plateau, you know, like they do a meet and like their total stays the same or goes down um, or they get their first, you know, I'm not going to say serious injury, but the first injury where they, they realize their own mortality and they're at this crossroads and it's at that point they you kind of find out who's in it for the long haul and who was only kind of just in it because they were making progress, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. How about you, Mike? You've probably seen a lot of turnover in your day.
2: I mean I tend to think kind of along similar lines to, to Bryce that my my gut feeling is in the the five year time frame. But I also feel like this is something that uh, Regardless of what said, somebody can get on Open Powerlifting and tell us what the real answer is. You know, um, <laughs> I mean that's a that's such a cool resource to to have available,
0: isn't it? Though it's it's yeah, it kind of kills conversations, right? It's like with when-
2: Google. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my man. <laughs> No, but
0: it's true it's like google when you're arguing with your dad and you're like he look he sees you looking in your phone he's like oh fuck's sake are
3: you googling this <laughs> damn you with your facts and your data <laughs>
0: <laughs> a good story with facts <laughs> but uh no i i 100 i think it's um what do you guys how do because you, you've been around for a while have you yourself felt the dip it needed to actually, Bryce. You're just coming back now. Not, I think you had some injuries as well. But have you dealt with in in Mike and Arthur? You've been around for five, six years now. Felt dips in enthusiasm. Had to s- take a step back not permanently. Not not lifting, but to to maintain and be able to stay in the game. Be like, look, and I need to every now and then. I can't be all out year after year, day after day, month after month. That's not a long term. That's not attainable. What do you guys
1: think? Yeah, there, there's a, I don't know, there's a base level enthusiasm for what you're doing that you kind of need to have more of the time than you don't have it. You, you can't, it's not that you need to be super excited every time you go to the gym, but something's got to be driving you to to step in there and want to put your best foot forward and want to work. Maybe for some people that's, you know, increasing their total or because their friends are doing it or there's a a national championship or regionals or worlds that they're looking forward to. Like some kind of driving thing or you know mastery i want to get better at sumo deadlift or something like that but some kind of thing that that is guiding you there's going to be dips and periods where you don't have maybe even their their long periods but something has to kind of keep you coming back in my opinion
0: what do you think there mike i mean i can't
2: i I wouldn't want to disagree with anything that that Bryce said Um, I can say that for myself um, if I had been physically able that I think I would have just kept on competing all the way through Uh, and now that that ability seems to be coming back I'm angling back toward the platform Um, and, and as far as like what the the why is that's behind all that for me personally? I mean, I think I know it's it's a bit hard to explain, but it's also a thing that that changes, you know. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it, the motivation, the ups and downs, kind of it comes and goes. Some some sessions you're excited about, and some that you're not. But um, I don't know. I've never just wanted. Uh, I've never f- felt really burned out on powerlifting, and I don't know why exactly that is. If it's got something to do with, like, there's a, a pretty significant chunk of my life that's not really about powerlifting. So I feel like when I get up and go to work and it's focused on powerlifting and stuff like that, that that's a pretty special thing. Um, so I don't know if it's that. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, but. I feel pretty lucky that that's the case. I guess.
0: I think you just dropped a semi-announcement in there, sir. Did anyone else catch that back announcement?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. I think, we did.
0: <laughs> I think we did. I think we. Did bite, <laughs> but, um, I think we got first soundbite But I 100% know what you mean. Where if it's not sometimes, if you get lost in something, it's the easiest way to burn out in it. If it's your everything, all around you. If you have a lot of other things in life. And it's not your only thing. It's a lot easier to sustain and keep coming back to it. If it's your everything, if it's just all you think about and all that's around you, yeah, man, after like five years-ish, it can be a little much. It can be a little much. How about yourself, Arthur? Oh, sorry, Mike, were you about to say something there?
2: Well, I was just going to kind of circle back that I would – like that's that's my – kind of experience and and i'm totally open to be an odd duck on that and i would honestly defer to to bryce uh since he's done a lot more uh investigation and a lot more uh uh, reading on the topic of athlete burnout probably what he has to say about it is a lot more generally applicable
1: i mean yeah basically there's kind of a few big things that that lead to athlete burnout and as long as you kind of steer clear of those big landmarks and you continue to have fun with your sport and continue to feel rewarded like that's the kind of thing that's gonna let you keep going forward but one of the things mike i think you do well is that a lot of your life isn't directly revolved around powerlifting or at least if it is it's involved in different ways so you don't get all of your your happiness from a performance or uh you know, from kudos, from lifting or, you know, feeling reward from the process. Like there's many different ways that you engage with the sport. And I think that kind of makes you a little bit more resilient to burnout, which is the right way to go
2: about it. I also have delusions that I'm going to (laughs) have pound PRs in every (laughs) block. It's
0: the most part of it. (laughs) Keep
2: keep the
4: dream
3: alive.
0: That's right. I'm just a moment away from a big breakthrough.
2: (laughs) It's always, always in the next block.
3: Just just keep <laughs> adding two and a half kilos to the bar every week. That's what,
2: it, that's what,
3: it will that's keep going it will keep going forever.
0: <laughs> that's the secret. Right? How How are you feeling about it? Like do you do you do things to keep yourself fresh with it? Do you have other things on the go so it's not the only investment you have psychologically and emotionally?
3: Yeah, I definitely go through phases where not my enthusiasm for training wouldn't drop, but my enthusiasm for specifically powerlifting it would definitely dip. Definitely soon after a meet, I am I want nothing to do with powerlifting. Definitely go through post-comp blues, all that kind of stuff, and go through phases where st- training is just a little bit stale. You know, I'm still getting in, getting everything done, but it's very hard to get kind of hyped up for uh, for work sets, things like that. I'm, to a certain extent, just kind of going through the motions. But I still enjoy it, and I still, I still go in and train and... The other thing I guess I would do uh, is to try and not have my identity wrapped up as Arthur Lynch, the powerlifter. You know, it's Arthur Lynch, the powerlifter, the coach, the PhD student, the personal trainer. Um, So just have other branches to kind of lean on when, you know, I'm probably not feeling competing in powerlifting quite as much. Does that make sense? Dude, I
0: was about to say that is... It is so makes sense, and it's true. We're getting into some real deep psychological shit here. I didn't think we were gonna go there, but it's true. <laughs> the more you do, the more you start getting wrapped up in that so and so, it kind of feeds the ego and then you're like, oh, if I stop, am I still what am I? am I gonna what am I stopping? What am I walking away from? And that can get difficult, uh, both as a am I no longer an athlete? am I a coach now? am I you know in in reality. It means more in your to your ego than it does to other people anyways. Yeah. But we don't ourselves that, right? Yeah. But if you stop, how quickly would you be forgotten type deal? Um, which, you know, later on we'll talk about who I think the biggest influences are, but of the last decade. But it's it's true. Man, ju- you just just
3: to piggyback on that, um I remember this is random as hell, but uh Bryce, yourself and Ellis McLean were doing um the live stream for USAPL Nationals, I think it was like a year or two ago. And he said mm-hmm. something that was just golden. He was just like uh, powerlifting. It's a very much a, what have you done for me lately sport? That was just, that was magic. <laughs> I just hit the nail on the head. I thought.
2: I mean, I think that that might be just kind of the nature of uh, attention in general, uh, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I think this is okay. This is a beautiful segue, so I gotta hit this. <laughs> do what do you think in the last ten years, who are the people that left the footprints fingerprints on the game that I think everybody that you think everybody should know. And that's the reason why we are here today. And, and you think they have less left, left the legacy that even the Johnny Come Latelys will hear about, and even those with short memories are gonna know about in five years of big like, yeah I remember this. Yeah, who, you think about the last decade where we've been? Who are some of these people, do you think, and why? Uh, whoever wants to go.
2: My head always goes to, to athletes first. I mean, I, I think you could probably point to some other people as far as changing the experience of powerlifting more, but I, for whatever reason, always think athletes first. And I, Ray Williams. I mean, I, I don't even know how... You can make much – well, I'm, I'm sure somebody will. But to to my mind, that's the very first thought that I've got, and what he's done in the sport. Um, I think that is something that's like a long-lasting legacy.
0: Maybe we'll go one for one so one guy doesn't chew up everyone else's. <laughs> that was one of my guys, and I'm like, ah, shit, there's one of my gone. <laughs> Do you
2: – well, I got to get in there early, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. It's it's like a
1: team selection. You got to, you got to pick your best first. <laughs> All right. So I'm going, I'm going Johnny Candido. I think, I think Johnny Candido brought powerlifting to, uh, to two populations, the YouTube population and the, let's say 16 to 25 year old population, because that was who his audience was. And he made powerlifting look uh, attainable and fun and interesting and something that everyone could do. And uh, not only that, but he released uh, some free programs that made that uh, possible. I mean, he wasn't the first one to kind of release free programs, but just absolutely proliferate an easy way and just drop barriers left and right said, look, if you want to get into this, uh, here's how you train. Uh, You can do it at your gym that's five minutes away and you know go have fun and enjoy this in the same way that, that i have been enjoying it so definitely kudos to him for sure he definitely changed powerlifting
0: dude his personality to talk when he talks into the video talks into a podcast like he personality is huge and he has it uh we needed him at the moment when he came around yeah 100 percent. both those people are on my list i'll go last my list is getting decimated though go ahead <laughs>
3: uh it's hard to pick one if i was to i'm okay i'm gonna go with a female i'm gonna go with jen thompson because just what what she has done in however many years of competing i mean she's competing what like 20 years or so and still late 90s oh my god and like she's still hungry as ever for progress and what she's achieved, like okay, she's no, she's known for her bench press, and what she's achieved there has just, I think it's shattered what a lot of people thought was actually possible for a female to achieve.
0: One hundred percent. Her look at uh, she, in the late '90s, she was her her specialty was still bench press. Uh, I'm, I'm old enough to be around in the late 90s my man mike t can back me up women were like hey let me bench press let me fucking increase my bench press women like it's it's the trailblazers like her that break down some of those stereotypes man it was stupid people like lifting weights is manly now it's like silly to say and no one takes it seriously that shit was common though there's mm-hmm. a time period where you hear stupid stuff like that i'm like man i think a girl who lifts weights is hot as hell i mean i, I that's what i'm into and then be, it'd be silly remarks and if a girl girls would be persuaded not to or else they were weird they, you know by their peers and by like dudes wouldn't find you attractive if you did she's one of those trailblazers who made it cool it made it like and now now that she's middle-aged it'd be it now she's a trailblazer for people who are middle-aged be like man i'm i'll smash heavier weights than than a girl or her husband you know what I mean? Like I, she's she's a trailblazer all around. I one hundred percent think yeah, that's an excellent pick. Um, all right, so let me get mine in there before we'll keep going around because I got a couple more. But you guys are nailing down my list. But um, we'll get this one out because he's in the group. I think when Mike T brought over RPE in terms of like I know myself. Oh my god, I took it like a fish to water and love it. And dumped the Chico style. Not, not like, hey, look at uh, using base off percentages is good, but it's it, it was a massive jump. It just in terms of how we approach things. Even if you still use maxes in terms of percentage, I think our approach to it, and our knowledge in terms of fatigue and how to manage fatigue, and just ask the questions, even if you weren't use the e. It forced coaches to ask those questions of their athletes and start realizing. And here's the thing. Other sports, we're using RPE, like endurance sports and whatever. And um, we just didn't know how do we incorporate this. And uh, it takes an innovative mind to do some research and to look into this and be like, how do we apply this to powerlifting? And here's why. Why? why, Like when when these cyclists and these long distance athletes who are running are like, you know what? you they would tell themselves we need to run a certain amount of miles to be able to get a marathon and and do well and then for a guy like mike to look at this and be like man i tell myself if i want to squat 600 i gotta do 500 for fives and whatever and he's like you start asking the same questions and applying it and i think that was a massive game changer i had you on the podcast mike and it was called the father of rpe and um you know you more brought it into our sport but still it was it was a big piece as far as i'm concerned so i'm gonna throw mike t on that Mike, what do you want to say about that? Because I kind of put you on the spot there. <laughs>
2: okay. Thanks. I mean, I, I, I don't really know what to say about it. I mean, I, I
3: am. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I cut in there for a second? Because, like, I think that's why I and so many others fucking love you, Mike. Because we, we're we here singing your praises and then you're just like, oh, fuck. What, what do I say to that? It's just the humility is just incredible, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he needed an acceptance speech. Like I just gave him,
0: and <laughs> he's like, I'm just, he put him in the spot here, brother! I'm gonna fake my mother. I'm gonna fake my wife." <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, when, like, I, I very clearly remember uh, my goal when I when I realized what, what I was writing was more like a book than an article. Uh, my goal was to hopefully be able to finance my travels, uh, while I was competing, you know, that I would be able to travel to competitions, not, you know, take money away from the family. Um, and then it has turned into, uh, a company that now we have, you know, multiple other employees and it's helping to support their families too. Like I literally never dreamed that things would go this way.
0: Dude, you changed the game. You did more than that. You, This was a game-changing moment. I, re- I still remember being like, what the fuck is an RPE? What is that at symbol with a 7 at the end of it? I remember seeing that, being like, what is the at with the 8 at the end of it? And I had to investigate. And then when I found out, I was like, oh. And then I Googled RPE and the whole line, and I started seeing, like, what the shit? Yeah, this is this is amazing. Like it was, it's a game changer, man. Uh, as well, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you like you know it worked out. Like, it's funny how I love hearing stories. Of this Where it's like, I just wanted to like get a money for a plane ticket, and then next thing you know, you're changing the game. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean that was that was the book, I guess. But I mean the the whole the whole point of of all of it is that you know I I want to set PRs. I want you guys to set PRs. I want, you know, lifters to, to lift more weight, and if, if that helps, then that's great.
0: It's just crazy to, um, I, I like, I, I don't know what it'd be like to come up with something like that, where everybody all over the world now is doing it. Like, do you see people posting and be, god damn, that was, I want to try, I want RTS at the end of every post now. I want that. <laughs> I'm up. I'm getting seeking counsel <laughs> it's kind of i don't know i don't even know if people even know where it came from that's why i'm glad we do these podcasts and you're one of the ogs on the podcast because some people might listen to this some millennials i'm not talking shit but i'm kind of but some of listeners like, oh i didn't know mike t made that but anyway.
1: So, mike, uh, i'm doing uh, I'm doing research for a presentation I'm giving in a month or so, and I'm flipping on mass through the the articles. And you wouldn't believe the size of the section on auto regulation that's there right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like even with volume and, and a few other things. And it's just that's the amount of research that's been done in in the last decade or so purely on on auto regulation for resistance training. I think that stands on your shoulders
2: man. that's that's pretty awesome i mean I, I i haven't looked at that but i do remember looking into auto regulation and stuff kind of would have been the early part of the decade i guess but uh um and finding like apre you know and that was yeah. about it yeah
0: yeah i think right back to you my man do you want you have another one mike because i can go again
2: um I'm, I'm a bit taken aback guys. So (laughs) (laughs) what?
1: All right. I'm, I'm jumping in.
2: Okay. Jump in, jump
1: in. All right. So speaking of coaches, uh, I think Mark Ripto was another integral person early on. So someone who at the start had a system. So there was, you could look around and you could see, okay, there's some Russian people who were talking about powerlifting. I can't really translate that. Uh, but here's this guy, Shaco, and there's this free program. Um, but really, the only accessible thing early on was Ripito's books, uh, you know, the five by five, um, you know, strong lifts and the other stuff he's putting out. He says, this is how you squat. This is how you bench. This is how you deadlift. Here's some foundational technique stuff that has a more structured way than some of the YouTube content. It was was probably even before a lot of the YouTube content. So that kind of served as a ground entryway for a lot of people, um, especially people who just, you know, open up google.com or yahoo.com early on and say, you know, what is powerlifting? How do I train? Um, or, you know, even take a look at Amazon, and try to find some books. That was some of the early resources that you could find on, on how to get better in the sport.
3: What's funny... I think- it was, sorry, uh, I just wanted to add on that before uh, before you jump in, Ryan. Um, what's funny about that is I, I taught... An introduction to strength training module uh, at the university i work in and when i arrived so obviously you'd have like the previous instructor um, or teaching assistant would have their materials that they had recommended for that module the previous year and what was the prime text starting strength (laughs) (laughs) so i mean that that's it it exactly to your point bryce
0: yeah, I've got it. It definitely helped me. I I remember going through Ripto and people all talking about it, and I think it was definitely influential. Even the, the setup of the different lifts, and even for a functional program to begin with, 100%. I think, it's, I think it's your turn first, Arthur, and then it's my turn. But if you don't have someone off the top of your head, or we
3: took all your people, I can go. Are we still on lifters, or are we talking coaches now?
0: Just period. Influential people. Hmm. It could be what you want. Influential people, period. Because we've been all over the board already, and I think it's it's basically, I think we worded it as you know how goldfish memory people are, people who left yeah. their fingerprints in the game, that e- even if you just came in late, you should know this person.
3: I think Dan Green is worth a mention. Because I think he, when when he came on the scene, um, I feel like he helped to break down a stereotype of what a powerlifter was. If you know what I mean. Like, here's this super jacked, you know, really muscular dude um, yeah. who who literally looks like a bodybuilder and he's totaling like fucking, whatever, 900. And it, <laughs> just the, not only that, but the way he used to lift as well, the the, the ferocity of his lifting, particularly his deadlift. I think that, that certainly got me excited about powerlifting. I don't know about you guys.
0: Oh, for sure, dude, he... He's straight out of a freaking comic book. Yeah. He's imp- impossibly huge, impossibly jacked, and wildly entertaining to watch. I could watch him do fucking tricep pull-downs, dude. Are you kidding <laughs> 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 In terms of making weightlifting enjoyable to watch, yeah, I would watch him squat and dead for sure. Like hes He looked like the Incredible Hulk. He looked like he should be in a Marvel movie, no CGI needed. And, um, yeah, 100%. And, and the fact that he had, like, long hair and was, like, you know, he he, he was the party, a rock star when we needed him. And, you know, it was so cool. When he hit Instagram and he still does, he follows nobody.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Some Johnny Cash shit right there. <laughs> right?
2: I, I thought of another one before you go, Ryan. Okay. Uh, uh, Eric Talmud. Uh, the organizer for the raw Unity meets in the mm-hmm. early 2008 to 2010 time frame. Uh, so like we' we're, if, if we're talking about the inclusion of raw lifting in the IPF being a watershed moment, I don't know that that would have happened at least not in the way that it did without Eric Talmont putting on raw unity meets and frankly kind of he was a bit of a pain to the IPF. Because he was drawing lifters away uh, from from their competitions, and uh, you know, it was for all of powerlifting. You know, it was an untested competition, but uh, the way that he put it together, and uh, like he was drawing people from all over the sport, and you know, for those few years, yeah, people from all over the the sport, tested, non tested, were all showing up to that meet and competing. Uh, for I want to say 2008 or 2009 there was like a like a federation competition so you had like the USAPL lifters were lifting on like team USAPL and you know, yeah, it, was, it was really cool it was really cool and and of course like USA Powerlifting showed up at that meet and omt everybody who was competing uh, so like they were still getting drug tested but then everyone else who wasn't it wasn't and it's it's such a fucking movie it's so cool it it was it was really cool it was a really cool event and and yeah like i don't know if it would have i don't know if things would have gone down the same way if it hadn't been for that
0: Mm -hmm. it's 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 um man i'm like taking me back right now i feel like we should all be having beers but um yeah this is like the before social media was big and we all went on powerlifting watch to get. Yeah. They would just random videos. They would post results, and um, you could check out different feds, what meets were happening, and whatnot. And I, I think he even had that on a TV channel. I don't know which one, but it was available somewhere. I never got to see it on that TV channel. It might have been different in Canada, but he got on TV. He was like an announcer, and like he like man, he was trying to make a move there. And he had some prizes, and and he also did it. Without federation, he said, this is not fed. This is, we're doing all-time records, but no specific fed. Come on, come all. He was making a move there. I think 100%. I like what he was doing at the time.
2: I remember uh, they did, like, entrance music. Like, you had to submit, like, your (laughs) entrance music. to, And they would play, like, the track that you wanted when you walked out for your lift. And that's, talk about it like an entertaining way to, like, get to know a lifter.
0: You know? Yeah, I mean, for sure, dude, for sure. I, got, I would have to think about my fucking entrance music. But yeah, man, he was, he was doing something in the untested, like before the U.S. Open and whatnot. If he, It's too bad he wasn't around when social media took off the second half of the decade. It would have been a whole lot different because he, the only way for him to survive is try to make some TV deals and major sponsors. And that's why like, I know kind of come full circle, but doubling back, why social media helped powerlifting so much. My man just came like five five years too early. Yeah. He, he probably should have been still in the game. Yeah. Uh, does anyone want to snowball off what Mike said or is it my turn again? Don't squeeze in another pick now, though. It's on you, man. Okay, okay. I want to throw down Meg Squats. I think in terms of, once again, kind of doubling back on someone who's breaking down stereotypes in terms of women lifting and popularizing it and powerlifting this is unique almost every other sport women's side of the sport whether it's WNBA or or whatever whatever you name the sport the women's side is nowhere near as competitive nowhere near as credited with like viewers and following and and we not followed by the mainstream in powerlifting man, it's tip tat. i dudes are just as excited for the women's show now oh man you I am not missing Daniela Mello and Amanda Lawrence going head-to-head. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. missing 72s. I don't give a shit. But you couldn't talk me to showing up to a WNBA game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Powerlifting is so our community. I don't know what it is. We 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 got something. We're blessed with it. And some of the trailblazers who, made, who first broke down stereotypes in terms of that BS that women had to deal with, um in terms of lifting it's not for women, it's manly. I still hear some old school people say that, but it's very few now. People like Meg Squats, Jen Thompson help do that. And then what is done to like for our sport? Now we have twice as many. Imagine you chopped off all the female lifters. We lose half, man. It's almost that parody. I think there was a world championship. It wasn't the worlds, I think it was like university worlds or something like that. That for the first time there was more men, more women than men. You know, they're a massive driving force. To our community, which I think is, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think Meg Squats is a major reason for that. And um, and still to this day. And everything she did with social media. We talk about Johnny Candido, how he could pop in front of the camera. She pops in front of the camera. She's got some major sponsorship deals. She's done some things. I don't want to go through a whole resume. But for powerlifting, not just for women, but powerlifting in general, she's done quite a bit, still giving back. So I would say she's a massive influence.
1: Yeah. Just to to piggyback that, I, I think that was a really good choice. Uh with Meg. She did huge things in the sport and, and really broke down barriers to, to tell just kind of normal women, yes, you can do this. You're not gonna look crazy. The barbell's not scary, just making the free weight side of the gym less intimidating for so so many people. And and speaking of the sponsors thing, I mean she did a deal with Kellogg's and my mind was blown. I was like This is a powerlifter working with Kellogg's. Is that even possible? And (laughs) she was the first person that I knew of that kind of had like a major deal, and that was really, really cool to see.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Do you guys? I got a few more I want to belt off. Do you guys? If you guys are want me to rock and roll, I will. But you guys want to throw some in there?
1: I'll go tip for tat with you. I've I've got a list now.
0: Uh, I don't make the whole thing nothing but a list, but what the hell, man? I'm having a good time. Arthur, do you guys want to throw in there? Uh, no, you, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I already said Gaston Parage, but it was before we were in this, but Gaston Parage, look at, we could all say powerlifting would have blown up anyways, but I'm telling you, we already said the fact that it went raw and it tipped, man, you got blowback to go raw. There's a million reasons why they weren't raw at the time. I don't want to get into it. But my man held firm and said no we're going to th- we're going to try the raw cut and then he went 100% raw wow. um, and then in terms of the live stream his vision for the live stream again not going to get into everything he had to do to make that live stream happen but he went out and got a legit tv crew these guys have bbc resumes from the uk they're for, they're their tv crew they're not just a bunch of people who are you know power lifters who have a camera you know he's like not going to cut it It's got to be A-class. i got a vision, and we got to hold firm to that vision. And then he's a shrewd businessman, and he makes deals happen. He brings the money in so he can afford all this. And, and, And all these other feds that have come and gone, other promotions that have come and gone, and we've already mentioned a few of them, IPF has only gone bigger and bigger and bigger and will continue to get bigger. Man, I'm so confident. With a guy like him behind the wheel, I'm pretty flipping confident. He's making moves happen. And it is painstaking to do things like get on the Olympic Channel and whatnot. They're like, why you? It's it's not easy. You know, and he's getting pulled in a million directions. He's also a guy who puts himself out there where usually when you run and you're a president like this, people just got when you're doing these things, they never credit you for it. Uh, but when something messes up, they're going to be on. You You know what I mean? So that's what I want to say is I see it and I know how stressful it is. And um, I want to give hats off. I think Gaston Paraj is one of the most influential people, if not the most influential people, last decade. My man, what were you, what were you going to say?
3: Yeah, so I th- I thought of one actually. Um, as you were mentioning Gaston, I think <laughs> I, I think Ben Banks deserves a mention.
4: Oh hell yeah!
3: Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, he's he's the guy behind SBD. and if you think of what that has done in the last, I want to say seven years. Uh, That's a seven, damn good point. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's continuing to snowball when you think we're, like you're you're talking about Daniela Mello and uh, Amanda Lawrence they're facing off in an an SPD sponsored event yeah. where there's going to be some serious prize money so the injection of you know financial investment there on his end and you know you think of SPD or sorry you think of the IPF and it's anonymous with SPD um, as well as things like World's Strongest Man, so he's got to get some credit for the work he's done there,
0: yeah. And my man Arthur is fitting to get a sponsorship out of this episode,
3: too. <laughs> 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 I gotta let be, me, ca- uh, I gotta be careful. I think I'm technically still a, a Titan Ireland sponsored athlete.
2: <laughs> let, let, let me, uh Interject just real quick with a with a story about about Ben. Uh, I was at the 2013 World Champ uh, Classic World Championship, it was the first one in Suzdal, Russia, and uh, that's the first year that SBD knee sleeves were available, and they were only available to the Russian team and the British team. Uh, I, I think he had sponsored them or, or something along those lines. And let me tell you, everyone wanted knee sleeves like this because before this we were using mostly reband knee sleeves some people were using the tommy kono knee sleeves they were not the same uh they're shorter thinner uh they wore out much faster i mean you just pick up a a set and you could feel the difference you know so uh, that was a a huge thing when that when that started and Everybody who was talking to Ben at that competition, like, "Hey, how do we get these?" You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, that was like right product at the right time, and man, it just it just really took off, and uh, he's kind of stayed on top of it ever since.
0: And I think this is a great time to thank our sponsor SBD and the KOTL promo <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> code. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Benjamin Banks. For real? Um, Yeah, and what he's doing now with, like, look, we all seen some people can do one of these big pay events and go in hot off the top. But if you don't do it correctly, it's a one and done or or it's a slow bleed where these guys are taking the time. Benjamin Banks, again, he's like Gaston Pratch to me in terms of when he makes moves, I'm confident about it because he doesn't make a move quickly. He looks before he leaps. He's very well organized. And the guy's building himself an empire. And uh, so I ho- I'm hopeful that the SPD invitation is only getting better and better. I'm excited about it for sure. Um, I believe it's my turn. Is it back to my turn? Is it my turn? I'll go.
1: I got oh, one. I got one to fit in. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I'm going to give one to Lane Norton for... Oh, that was
4: mine! up, was it? Go ahead. All right, all
1: right. Um, I think as someone that... So, a lot of the people on my list are people that break barriers and just allowed for the sport to continue to grow by removing some barrier. We talked about Meg Gallagher and how she removed barriers for female athletes, uh, what well, we talked about uh, ripto and, and kind of removing a barrier of information, my T, et cetera. Um, I think Lane removed a few barriers. one uh, for online coaching. He's really the first online coach that I can remember. There were a few before him for bodybuilding but he was kind of the really first big coach uh, for powerlifting him and, and the DeNovo crew early on kind of did the same thing. I'd kind of lumped them together for powerlifting. At least he did bodybuilding before that, but um, no one even thought that online coaching was a thing before that. And so he kind of started that. So, uh, you know, all of us coaches kind of follow in the footsteps as far as that goes. And if you wanted a coach for powerlifting, I mean, you could count probably the number of true powerlifting gyms uh, on two hands uh, in the country You know, for a while. So have fun trying to find a powerlifting coach for you in person. And so you have to you know, start looking online. He was one of the first people that made that possible. So just just speaking about it from that side, if, you, if you've got more to say from the other things that he's done,
0: yeah. by all means, yeah. I, yeah, I'll snowball off that because um, he was the next guy I wanted to say. He basically did, for powerlifting – in terms of the nutrition side, what Mike T did, in terms of with this RPE, man, we I remember when I first started powerlifting, we didn't know macros, macro counting, reverse dieting. Mm. Um, you just got into whatever weight class was your weight class type deal. A lot of guys had might be a little extra fluffy for no use. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it does not. You had no idea what was your optimal body weight, what you could get out of it. Nowadays, you got to get into the proper weight class. It's very, we're far more A healthy. And he started breaking down stereotypes. The guy was a former bodybuilder, as is yourself, Bryce. And we started recruiting bodybuilders coming into the fold. So he broke down stereotypes in terms of what what powerlifters look like. But in terms of his knowledge of uh, of nutrition, and because he was so popular, he was a social media influencer, uh, an early adapter of social media. So in terms of his impact on the game of social media, and then using that as a tool to actually educate. Um, and, and the guy's got a PhD. I don't know if you guys heard, he's got a PhD. And, uh, so he's, he, the guy, he's, he's knowledgeable and could bring something to the game. And also, it means something for us to have a powerlifter on like platforms like Joe Rogan. And to be speaking on, he'll, he'll talk about powerlifting. He'll talk on Joe Rogan. He's talking about like the IPF worlds and shit like that. He'll shout out a couple powerlifters who's on Joe Rogan. It means something. By the way, by the time this podcast drops, he's going back on Joe Rogan for another debate mm-hmm. on nutrition. And, and because he is at the forefront, not just for powerlifting in our niche, but for like at, in the world, he's he's at the forefront of this for if you're an athlete and you want to seek someone out. Lane should be in that conversation and the fact that look any niche sport could have had him we got him he's a huge plus for our sport he's also another stat for you the only king of podcast that I have in common with Joe, Joe Rogan and I'm very proud of that <laughs> 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 but, uh, but no seriously and he is he also in turn we, I, I said the same thing about Megan said, said, said the same thing about uh, Johnny Candido but you put him in front of the cameraman he's got he shines. And it's it's just a quality that um you know some people got and he's got it. So we're lucky. We're lucky to have him. He's a from he's been around in the game for a hot minute. And um, yeah, I, I definitely he's a he's an excellent choice. Um we we also you started talking a little bit, we're now talking about some change to be seen in the last decade. Now we went around saying some influencers. We could always drop some more, but I got a feeling we're gonna start just getting into we got, we got the top, right? Let's let's stay with the top. If we want to drop some more, we can't drop some more. But what are some of the changes in the game we see? Honestly, when I came in, a couple off the top of my head, I think we kind of already hit, but mm. uh, A, yes, yeah, social media, holy shit. If you would have told me in 2010 that by 2020, some powerlifters have a, a million followers on social media, that's – I couldn't wrap I, – I still can't wrap my head around. That's insane. Um if you would have told me like the live streams, remember, listen, I have to date myself, this is, but at the Arnold Classic, I think I told the story before, when my friend Alex Joltz was at the Arnold Classic, for there was no live stream. They had the scorecard on my screen, and I refreshed the scorecard, and it would either be blank or it turn up red or green, and I knew if he hit or missed this. That's and that is pathetic that I stayed there for three hours doing that. First of all. <laughs> 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 I probably had something else going on at the same time. let hope. But that's what it was. That was literally two. That was literally the beginning of the decade, 2010. Arnold Classic. He won, by the way. Shout out to Alex Drolts. And um, and now we got fucking live streams with you know they they look in the way they look like they should be on TV. And uh, social media, nutrition. Oh, my God. What we know about nutrition, what we know about training. Like, gentlemen, not just how Mike T kicked it off with RPE, but here's another one I want to add. This is, I'm just That's like a summary of what we already said. Let me add something new. I remember when I first started in 2010, you joined a powerlifting gym, and whatever senior powerlifters were at the gym would help you out, show you maybe a bar Chico if they found one, help you out with some program, taught you how to. That's how you initially learned. Now we went from join a gym, and if you went to provincials or nationals, the teams were you come from this gym, so that was your team. Oh, you're from Team Iron Foundation, was the team in my hometown. Yeah. Now it transferred to online. The gym you're at is just a fucking gym you You could be in a gym with ten different guys from ten different online coaches, and you're from ten different quote unquote powerlifting teams. And when you go to your nationals, you're representing you know, uh, whatever different, insert whatever different million outfits. Um, so that's a different change altogether. And um, so I, that's what I think. We moved away from The you you join a gym and that becomes, you know, you're getting coached by whoever might happen to be in your gym to coaching online. And because of that, the dissemination of information, man, if there's a breakthrough in Montana, people across the world and Sweden are going to find out about it within a few months. So better catch up. Better mind your P's and Q's. You can't sleep. You know, if there's a breakthrough anywhere, everybody found out about it. That's yesterday's news, real quick. And that's another reason why these records are falling so quick. First part of the decade, nowhere near as quick. The talent pool has risen exponentially, but in terms of knowledge, you can't keep up. You know, there's no secrets. There's very few secrets under the sun these days. Did you want to say something there, Mike? Look like you might have. Or am I putting you on the spot again?
2: No, uh, well, one thing that that's popped into my head a couple times, uh, change over the course of the decade is just, uh, the meat experience itself. Like the fact that there are monitors, uh, the broadcasting the lifting order in the warm-up room, at least uh, at a national level, that seems to be a pretty common experience. Um, uh, that wasn't that way at the first part of the decade, you know, that, uh, you, you know, and, and I suppose that at some local meets, it still is that way where people, uh, you know, announce the lifting order and you have to listen for your name. And, OK, all right, well, I'm four lifters out, you know, and, and that's how you know where you're at in the lifting order. Um, that, that's something that affects people, uh, pretty much everybody in the sport, you know. Yeah, D-
3: to kind of related to that, but n- not quite to the same point as ryan but have you guys noticed that just in general the standard of competition setups has just got so much better in the last um 10 years like i remember when i started out oh man some meats resemble like something at of a, a fucking cattle mark like and now it's so much more professional looking like you have you know, screens, you've got lights, you've got drapes separating the warm-up area, you've got nice platforms, you got brand new equipment on the platform, you've got MCs, you've got media, media companies like White Lights Media, what's the other, the Canadian company, the name escapes me. Um, loaded Bar. Loaded, loaded Bar Collective. Um, these kind of companies, and it's just... The, the, the quality of the events is just getting so much better.
0: I was just... In terms of those media companies, I remember when you get like your girlfriend, your mom or whoever was there to film your lift and it was shitty. And it was like, what am I? It was, you're trying to show your friends, you might post it and it's just like 10 rows back with like 20 rows of heads in front of you. And now... These dudes come out with these video packages that look like a freaking action movie trailer. And you're like, oh my God. So when your friends and family see it who aren't into powerlifting, they think it's legit as hell. Looks cool as hell. And everybody wants it, right?
1: Yeah. And the that joke's on them. It's, it's not legit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so cool. If they're like, oh, go to your next competition, like, ah. It's, like, <laughs> it's live action packed as that 60 second clip would make you think
3: yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like uh, they get there and it's like oh, this thing is going to be on for how much longer?
0: gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. be <laughs> <It's laughs> once so, every minute minutes
1: so another big change I've seen and this was kind of a name I wanted to put in the top but I think it fits better as far as a structural change because it's a company not really a person and it's, it's Rogue Fitness just on the on the piggyback in it in tandem with CrossFit, just the proliferation of low cost, high quality equipment that works for powerlifters. Like it, it used to be the case when you go into a gym and it still to some degree, there's, uh, I don't know, 60% of the whole gym is cardio. And then maybe 35% of the gym from there is machines and like 5% free weights. And slowly over time, that free weight section has grown. Uh, you know, especially now, most gyms, even the the commercial, even the most commercial ones have a rig, uh, you know, kind of in, in the center that has uh, spaces where you can do barbell lifts, you know, better equipment, better barbells. All that kind of stuff started from Rogue figuring out how can I make this modular? How can I make this low cost and give this to a lot of people so they can have high quality equipment in their garages?
0: 100%. Let, let me ask you guys something. If we're looking back at not just changes we saw now, I want to ask you guys, is there some moments for you that stand out in the last 10 years like that? You watched and you're like, holy shit, that was a moment for me. Let let me say, let me say, okay, let me kick it off. Okay, maybe this will spark, this will inspire you guys like I inspired Arthur for a couple of his picks. (laughs) Okay, Um, for me one time, personal moment, this is just a straight up moment that isn't even a powerlifting moment. Personal moment. One time, I was um, commentating. I was in Belarus, and uh, Ray Williams was about to hit the platform for the first time, and I caught and I I caught myself saying, "We are about to watch the world's strongest man do his thing," or something to that effect. And I heard myself say And this man is 15 feet in front of me, and these videos get watched. I mean you see reposts of these videos get half a million views, and all of a sudden you ever have that moment where you sometimes you just go through life and you're just going through life and you don't fucking stop for a second and realize you you're like you are not in the moment moment right then and there I got caught in a moment it was like, holy shit seven billion people walk this work walk this earth one man could squat what he squats like he he it, it was like the world's a big place, and you just kind of take for granted. Like this is the, this could be the strongest man in the world. About to walk out there and squat. And the nervousness you get and seeing it, seeing his charge, everyone knows his bull charge and the whole 90 does. And, and I got the tingles, and it was like I saw it live and I heard myself saying it's like, man, A, I can't believe I'm here doing what I'm doing. I'm a lucky son of a bitch. Who did I talk into to make this happen? B, like this is this is crazy, man. That was a moment for me. And it, um, I never forgot it, man. And sometimes I still sometimes got to remind myself, check yourself, man. Like you were watching what, remember what you're watching. When you go up in the warm up room sometimes and you see these lifters, it's the worlds and they're walking around. And I'm like, I, I don't take it for granted. I still don't take it for granted, man. I tell myself, this is special. You know, I don't know how many more worlds I'm going to be around. And when someone has an opportunity to go to a world championship, I can go, that door closes on you, my friend. You got an invite. Don't uh, Russell Orhe comes out of nowhere and that door slams shut for the next four years, and there goes your prime. Show up when you got the opportunity, if you can, and it's a magical moment. Now, you guys have been to the world, so you all know like how magical it is. Maybe if you've already been, it's different. But if you've never gone, you know, um, man, it's it's a moment. Uh, there's one. Okay, that was just a personal moment. That changed and made and reminds me. Here's a moment, powerlifting moment that thing changed the game. Um, John Hack versus Brett Gibbs showdown. I've said this many times on the podcast, different episodes, but bear with me if you heard me say it again. That fucking showdown changed the way we view. Previously, you'd be like, come and watch the world's best. Hey, the best 83s, the best 93s, the best 105s, but you don't really know what you're watching. Let's see what we got. You might have an idea of. This changed it into him versus him. Strapped the SPD, God bless them, did pictures of them eyeing each other down like boxers or MMA fighters and did a full photo shoot and put it out there, publicized. The, the IPF were like, what are the show? I was going on about this. I was in the commentating that year. It was going on about the showdown and they're like, it's it's going to be that big. I'm like, yes, trust me, it's that big. And then they saw the SPD showdown pictures and 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 they're like, all right, for the first time, we're going to come in with a camera on the commentator. Didn't do that for any other session. But if you say it's this big, I'm like, trust me. And I gave a show. I gave like this monologue for the first time saying, this is our Ali Frazier. This is our Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras. This is th- this is our Russia versus, you know, uh, Canada in the finals of hockey. Sorry, if you guys are not hockey fans, I'm Canadian, but it is what it is. This is what it is. This is a 72 Summit series. Um this is a game changer and it's and then I went into Brett Gibbs representing and then John Hack representing two guys in their prime and hyped it up. And then when the openers came up and Brett had way bigger openers, I remember Martin Flett looking at me be like, "Hey man, you sure this is going to live up to the hype cuz you just gave a fucking 10-minute monologue and this is all" <laughs> <laughs> I threw the fucking in there but he was like is this gonna live up and i was like it's gonna live up man it's gonna live up and i remember thinking in my head god i hope it lives up i was the guy on the i was <laughs> benjamin banks was too i was a guy on the ipf instagram at the time running it and every week i was like showing their squats a big doing like a countdown and if this didn't live up i'd be like oh man this is the first year i was on the ipf media team too so they probably would have they wouldn't have taken too many of my suggestions but um for me, I think it changed the way we approach some of the way we hyped these showdowns. Now it's like every year, what's the big showdown? Oh, the Battle of the 105s, the Battle of the... And then we go into individual characters. And it made us care more because mm-hmm. Bryce, um, you know, the, the reserved family man. Oh, but here's Screamer, the wild man. But here's... I Now I care. Now I, I have a favorite based off of, as opposed to... Let's just see what I got. Well, if you don't show me too much personality on the platform, I don't know. But no, but you don't know. This guy's got tons of – sto- he's got a hell of a story behind him. Coming back from injury, coming back from – we started doing that, and that helped change it. it. It made us look beyond America versus New Zealand. And yeah. I think that was a game changer. That was a major moment for us and uh, something that stands out in my mind.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I really agree. And, and when you look at uh, like coverage of the Olympics, for instance, uh, if you don't get that. So when you're watching NBC and and they're covering like the big sports, you know, you've got beach volleyball in, in the United States, you got like. Uh, gymnastics and a few of the other sports where you've got like the key people. They do that little expose. They they run you through their training. You know, they talk about uh, what the journey was like up to the Olympics, who they're going off against. You're invested. You're bought in. You want to watch. And then you see those other Olympic events where you just don't know anyone. It just doesn't have the same level of attention. You know, you're watching fencing. You're watching boxing. You don't know any of the names. It's Great sport, but you just don't know the details, and it's missing something.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and before that, we kind of were like, uh, well, we'll just let the lifting do the talking. Well, sort of. I mean, yes, to an extent, you hope the lifting is entertaining, but. We didn't have any other avenue. There's no mainstream, no mainstream media is going to publicize this. We are, in, in, I'm like so proud of how well our community has stepped up and made something out of nothing. We got no media push originally. We had no sponsorships. Power lifters, Benjamin Banks was a lifter and decided let's let's do this, let's do that. Our lifters started putting together ways of how do we hype events. We'll figure it out. We'll make up our own podcasts and hype shows. And look how everyone's got a podcast. And we'll make up our own live streams with like like Gaston Parage's vision. We don't got no TV deals. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to get all the sponsorship money and I will fucking make a TV quality stream. And we're going to like, he had these visions and and all of us did. And we got together and decided we literally, in this last decade, made something out of nothing. Because I was there a decade ago and we didn't, man, I was... Click and refresh on the screen. And we come a long way, you know. And we, we it's all us. No team. CBS, NBC, Sky Sports, BBC didn't come in there and be like, here, let me interject some money. And and we got some backing.
2: We figured it out. And
0: we come a long way. But moments like that help. The lifters, yeah. it's good buddy.
2: Yeah. That, you know, you were speaking about, like, uh, kind of personal uh, – Pinched yourself moments in the sport, and uh, I had one of those uh, at the Arnold um, when Blaine squatted 500 kilos. Uh, I watched him; I got to watch him like from the doorway uh, to the warm-up room. So like I'm right there uh, watching him do this lift, and, and I mean I've known Blaine for a lot of years, and I've obviously was really rooting for him. But if you watch that squat, he stops like three times on the way up, and I mean, I've not squatted 500 kilos, but I've squatted 400 kilos. And I know that 400 kilos, the one of the biggest challenges I've had was uh, just controlling the bar whip. And he's got 100 more kilos. And, I mean, I can just imagine what that must have been like to try to control that thing. And uh, just watching him do that lift, I mean, that was a moment for me where I was like, did this really just happen? Let me <laughs> pinch myself, you know.
0: I I, uh, I got another little moment here, and this it's another one of these. Okay, so this is a moment that isn't even. Um, it's not somebody who's winning with a big lift. It wasn't somebody who you you know? It, I don't know the significance of the lift at all. I remember, I, I believe he's from Norway. Damn it, I'm a, I forget his name already. But he, I mentioned this before on the podcast, and he hit me up when he heard me mention it. Um, is that the Worlds in Sweden. I believe he's from Norway, a Norwegian lifter, one hundred and five walked it out walked out a, a, an attempt and this shit was as crazy wobbly if you have ever seen in your life and as a commentator you're like I mean you call it like you see it and you're like whoa this it's one of those walkouts where you're like I don't even know if you should take it like all of the spotters were getting in tight and were like holy shit and you could tell the look on his face was like oh in as you're calling it, you're like, whoa. you, you, <laughs> there, If you gave me a million dollars and you're like, does he hit or does he miss? I'm like, there's no way he hits this. He misses. And I remember him walking it out. And he thought exactly what everybody else thought. And was like, holy shit. And he stopped. And he looked over at his coach. And his coach was on the sidelines and was like, they met eyes just for a second. And his coach "It's okay. And gave him like a head nod. And they had that moment and that's all he needed. And he looked forward and it's just that moment right there. They had like, he needed somebody and he looked over and saw his coach who was man. I was like, Holy shit. Righted himself up, locked up, took a breath and hit that fucking squat. My friends with the fight. you never, you've never seen. And I was like, it, 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 whatever. This was the middle of a pack squat. Didn't matter. Like it was one of those moments you're like, holy, that was a connection, man, where everyone's been in that moment in life where you're like, I am scared shitless. And I think I might n- like get driven to the ground, you know, in front of everybody. And you look and there's somebody telling you everything's going to be all right. They got you mm-hmm. back. The same dude who would be firing you emails every week leading up to and, and has you back. And because it's him, it means something. And what's the first thing he did when he felt that? He looked over his coach. Just tell me everything's gonna be all right, and he did. Sort of. And everything was, man. I was like, oh <laughs> shit!
2: I was so happy for him. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good story.
0: Yeah. Oh man, sports. That sports yeah. give you this. You know what I mean? Sports yeah. will supply, and that's where, like, sometimes I don't. It doesn't always have to be top end world record stuff. Sometimes you see the guttiest of performance, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you get all inspired by what we're all capable of. Yeah. yeah. How about yourself, Arthur? You got any moments that stand out? I mean, whether it's personal, and it means something to you, and it might not mean nothing to nobody else. Or maybe something that it's a big one. You're like,
3: holy shit, that was big. I I got a f- I got a few, um, two that are like moments in in events, and then another one that's just a thing that I feel has had a massive influence on the sport. So the the two lifting were actually the one Oh five kilo class at IPF worlds in Belarus. and um, that was the first one because that was just an amazing spectacle, kind of four guys going at it, um, back and forth between them all. And Gino was really in his element that day. He was hyping the whole thing up. I remember him. He, he was, uh, he was hyping screamer up. He was like, um, look at him. He's like a caged panther back there. And <laughs> and then he comes out. And unfortunately, he missed a few lifts. So it was a little bit anticlimactic. But boy, was it fucking fun to watch. Um, and then the the last deadlift, I remember him going, and there's been a change. Lewis has gone for 360 to pull for the win. And, and I, I'm just thinking, oh, this is incredible. I wish more people were, were here to see this. I mean, I know we obviously got yourself on the live stream, but uh, I was, it was really something special to be there for. And then the following year, it was every bit as, as Epic, um, oh, yeah. where we had, so we had, Ga- we had Garrett, we had Bryce, we had where Bicky, um, we had Bryce Crouchick, And then we had our, 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 our own beloved, uh, Barry Piggott. Um, so like when it came to the, to the bench where the, the record fell three times in the space of like two minutes, I mean, that was, that was incredible. And I mean, I was um, helping Barry in the, in the warm up area behind and like Ireland, we, we do tend to punch above our weight when it comes to sport, but you know, for a population of 6 million, it, it, it's, it's great when we can have a guy that's like legitimately fighting against the best in the world and holding yeah. his own like that, you know, that was, that was really something special. And then the third thing that I, I found, and this is not an event or anything, but something I just feel has really had a, a massive influence on the sport and it's coming back to what Bryce was saying earlier on about the influence of Rogue. Man, when the Rogue Ohio Power Bar became available, I just remember, because prior to that, I remember like searching on the internet and just being like, man, I wonder how much an Alico Power Bar is to buy. And I remember being like, oh <laughs> fuck, I could buy a car for that. And then when the Ohio bar came on on the scene, I'm like, "Oh wow, it's like a third of the Eliko." Not not to throw them under the bus or anything, but just how much more affordable that made owning a really good power bar for for a lot of people, and like the number of people I know that have bought one and like bought a padlock for it, and they leave it in their commercial gym and they train with it. That for me was a game changer. Um, so yeah. I don't know if you guys have some thoughts on that. It's well priced, and, and that
0: promo code. Uh, why don't you give it to
3: him? pitches <laughs> 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 this guy. We gotta watch you. We gotta watch you. Rogue, rogue, don't need a peasant like me <laughs> fucking promoting them.
1: <laughs> Arthur thinks one of these guys is going to be listening. I'll get one of them. <laughs>
0: You're, you're throwing a lot of shots out there. You're like somebody's coming, and i like, in some way though. Um,
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> I got your back though, Arthur. Man, that uh, that's prior to that. I think what just the average powerlifter was using. I know what I was using uh, was a Texas power bar, hmm. uh, which is close, but it's just not exactly the same thing. First of all, it's a 28 millimeter bar versus a 29. What you think? a one millimeter difference. Well, it, it matters, you know, the way the bar performs, it matters, you know, you get different whip, uh, especially in the deadlift, the, the the way that it flexes is just different. So uh, to have something that's closer to what, you know, many people are seeing in competition, you know, that, that matters a lot. And I think to that end um, just the equipment available in commercial gyms, More broadly, and this kind of goes back to an earlier point, it's not uncommon to find places that have, like, not just larger freeway areas, but actual competition grade equipment. You know, just just at a gym. Uh, And my sense of it is that you know, powerlifting focused gyms are a lot easier to find than they used to be.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. It's since powerlifting has become far more popular, there's powerlifting gyms everywhere. Or a gym has a powerlifting section um, that you're allowed to use chalk and have bars or as opposed to you're just a nuisance guy who shows up, roughs up the equipment, gets it dirty with chalk, uh, you know grunting and whatever now it's wait now they're proud of you know hey there's you know bryce lewis he's world champion whatever they'll they'll be proud you come in as a period like 10 years ago you'd be they don't even know what powerlifting is you know they they i remember telling my mom i was going to a competition it was an olympic year and god bless she told people i was going to the olympics (laughs) lower expectations holy shit that's not what powerlifting is Uh, But uh, When you're talking about um, Screamer, I remember when I was commentating, I remember I was about to look up and say, who was next for squatting? And I was just going to look up and see who it was. And you say name, kilos, whatever. And as I was about to look who it was, I heard a... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, a crazy <laughs> scream. My man lived up to his name. And there's screamer, and he looks incensed. Like somebody double-parked him, or freaking... <laughs> oh, man, He was upset with that bar. I don't know what that bar did to him, but he was very upset with it. It was uh, such a good show. And then the part two the following year, it literally... It literally was a part two because enough of the same characters had returned that it could be. Sometimes there's not enough of the same cast of characters. So it can't be the same movie. That's fine. It could be a different story. That's fine. 100% enough of the same. And it was a phenomenal part two. And um, again, you know, I hate to be dead horse, but like Mr. Consistency and then Mr. Intensity with in terms of the screamer and whatnot. And then when Bryce came back and having a different guy win, Made it that's again what the, the magic of sports is, you know what I mean? If it's the same dude, like I, I, there's nothing wrong with a dynasty, but it's always great when you don't know what to expect. Oh, he came back and now he won, you know, and it's and you can't miss it, you can't miss a competition right down to the last dentist. Um, the one of fives were banging back to back years. Um, we, 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 we're at one, an hour 30. Do you guys want to also do what you expect the next decade ahead? I don't want to skip ahead if you guys got some more memories. But we got ten more. Look at Mike's face. He's like, "Oh shit! Don't age me ten years. I'm. I feel you. I don't want to think about ten years ahead." (laughs) But um, if you got more memories, you can throw it out there. But what do you guys think about in ten years' time? Look, we have. Listen, listen. Ten years ago, you told me where we'd be right now. I'd be like, "That's insane." A million people following some powerlifters online. The live streams on the Olympic Channel. Uh, people doing Kellogg's commercials and all the fucking rest of it. Uh, and, 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 the, and 83 squatting 700 pounds, it's fucking silly. I never would have thought stuff like that. Like in 10 years, 2030, let's say World War 3 hasn't happened. Let's just be optimistic for a second here. I don't want to get political. <laughs> but let's say we're all still around. What do you guys think we're going to be looking at? What are, what are some of the things you expect to see? Besides Bryce Lewis winning the 2021 Worlds, <laughs> uh,
1: I'll I'll start off with two predictions. Um, yeah. So one, I think in addition to powerlifting gyms that you see, you'll see a few more. Uh, what I'm just going to call training centers, where like it's it's a place where people go, and when you go there, you agree to be coached by whoever is the coach there, but it, you're you're signing up for you know not only just coaching like programming but uh nutrition there's recovery facilities like these kind of places exist for other sports already it's it's a place that's dedicated to making the best uh soccer athlete or the best football athlete you know there's training you know they've got people for specific specialties that you can work with they've got recovery there's nutrition there's sports psychology just kind of like it's designed to make the best athlete you know it, kind of a way that, uh, colleges have pro teams have them. So I'd, I'd love to see a, a miniature version of something like that come up for, for powerlifting, just a place designed to get the best out of athletes right now. Uh, it's on the athlete and I see like some starts to that online, you know, like coaching companies like 3dmj who have, um, they've got a nutritionist, uh, who's a registered dietitian. They have a a sports psychologist on staff that you can talk to all of them. So just kind of covering more of the basis of what is going to make the best possible athlete. And the other thing I think we're already seeing a little bit is, is the move towards streaming training in real time, um, on Twitch, uh, you know, or Twitch or, or YouTube live or something like that, just just as much access as we had with Instagram and seeing someone's training 10 minutes after it happened, because they decided to post it up online. Now you get to see it exactly. while while it happened online. So we'll see a little bit more of that. I think people like Ben Rice on, on Twitch are kind of leading that trend. So those are, those are my two things.
2: I'd like to, I hope that we see something, uh, I guess, as it relates to the live stream and just the scorecards and things like that, in terms of meat production, something that makes the competition easier to follow to someone who's not initiated in powerlifting because like what you're talking about with the stories that, that come out of say a, a world championship or something like that are really great. And it, it requires someone to explain it and that's fine up to a certain point, but if we could do something and I don't know what, but something to help that story, uh, come through a little bit more clear to someone who doesn't know what powerlifting is like like you can can just turn on a basketball game and you know who's winning and uh if the team that the team that's losing you know how bad they're they're losing you can know that at a glance without knowing anything about basketball Mm -hmm. um it takes more knowledge to know that with powerlifting and I think yeah. if we could make the the competition aspect of it more accessible at a glance that that would be uh that would be something that I hope to see.
3: How about you Arthur? You got something up the top of your head? Or... I don't really other than I've I've talked to guys about this surge in uh, popularity of of powerlifting over the last few years and it's obviously it's great but one or two people have posed the prospect that it it might actually be a bit of a bubble and that it may in time burst. So I'm not saying I'm predicting that actually happening, but I don't know. It's, It's an idea that's been put out there. And I'm just wondering, maybe you guys can talk a little bit more about this and if there's any telltale signs as to if that might happen, if we can learn from other sports, if that has happened uh yeah. there or anything like that i i just i don't know i'm just posing the idea do you guys think that this this surge in popularity is in fact a bubble or is it here to stay
0: that's fucking interesting uh wow sir you just kind of rained on our parade for a second there
3: yeah i'm playing the cynic it. here i'm sorry <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> it, <laughs> it
3: all honestly, a, yeah go ahead
0: it, i think this is the first year in a long time the now we've seen a slight dip if i don't if I remember correctly in terms of uh, power lifters in the i p f although with a fraction leave so it might be an odd year and that's an outlier year. but for the first time a long time anyways, I think we saw a small dip. I think there was that that one outfit that was posting in terms of registered lifters. Um, I don't know if the i p f said this themselves. I don't know I, don't quote me on this, but this is something I'd read. I don't know if you guys seen it as well
4: yeah.
1: I, I got to attend the general assembly meeting for USA powerlifting. You know, they talk about all the nitty gritty and rule changes and, and everything like that. And they go over many things. One of those is in the president's address, they go over membership. And while the membership has increased compared to last year, and I hope I've gotten this right, the rate of growth has decreased. Um, and so it's possible that, you know, we're kind of settling back at it's not that we'll kind of return to 2014 levels of membership, but there may be some kind of leveling off uh, for a while. Who knows?
0: I just want to announce I want to get out while the gold one's good. King of Lips is on. Yeah. This is bad money as they see in poker.
4: So,
3: you know? so yeah, I'm I'm going to pose <laughs> one more idea. So to give you a little bit of background. So shortly after I started lifting my peers in my small circle of influence which was not uh, related to the internet um, noticed that I had become let's say in inverted commas uh, a gym head and then they they saw me as someone that might know a thing or two so they were like would you write me a program and I'd be like cool no problem not knowing what I was doing and so writing them a, a program and Handing it to them, shake their hand, and off they go with it. Um, and then that continued for a little while. And then in time, it got to the point where it's like, hey, how much weight should I be using on this exercise? And I'm thinking, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I suppose whatever you can do with good technique. Um, And so then the question comes, well, what is good technique? And I'm like, well, I would need to be able to see that. Hmm how are we going to figure that out well maybe if you record you performing the particular exercise and send me the video and then that that basically became you know the the iteration of online coaching for me you know to the point where i was writing better programs and monitoring clients better and so in time that became you know what is now my process of online coaching and i'd say that's probably not too dissimilar to lot of people's trajectory so i'm wondering where will online coaching go in the next 10 years
0: oh dude picture fucking iron man when he's has the 3d on his desk he's swiping away things he's viewing from different <laughs> yes. angles we're, we're operating with nothing and i don't know who knows it depends on technology right i look at i shit you not there's a guy i have a buddy um his dad's in italy and he sets up factories. He puts on virtual reality glasses, walks into a completely empty factory. I mean, the space in this is completely empty. He throws these glasses on. He creates inside this virtual world where all the machines are going to go, lays down on his back, and is like, I need this actually tightened up around here where I see this machine. He slides under the machine. So then the outlay... He could already see it. The outlay is fucking the spec, my friend. Because this day and age, you can't have a square foot of factory that's being useless. That's 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 1992. You know what I mean? Like you're out of the game if you do that. So this is where they're at, and this is now. This isn't the future. I'm not talking about a sci-fi movie. Um, so I realize we're 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 probably a little behind the game, but 10 years time, when we talk about watching video and whatnot we're probably this podcast is gonna be funny as shit you know what can we make a pact right now in 10 years we all come back and do a fucking podcast <laughs> 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 and you guys will be like in loving memory a six-pack labanat <laughs> <laughs> like
2: man people aren't listening
0: to podcasts anymore <laughs> <laughs> you know say something nice about me lie if you have to but um yeah i don't know man it's a good question um, I think, Sorry, go ahead. Were you about to say so?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I've got some thoughts on this for sure. Um, I think that, uh, I, I sincerely hope that you see a professionalization of the, of the, the pathway profession, career, whatever. Um, I think that people that start out because they're, they're buddies, ask them to write a program that never goes away and it shouldn't go away but people that are serious about it and think I want to be a coach that there becomes a way for them to do it that isn't I, I feel like what a lot of people the position a lot of young coaches are in right now is they're trying to do their own thing they're trying to get noticed uh, and they feel like they've got to come up with a gimmick or something they've got to have something to get noticed and sometimes that's a thing a lot of times it's not and and it's not a good idea i think it's not a good idea to stake your your reputation stake your your outlook on you know some half-baked idea about what you think coaching is because you've done it for three months. I think there needs to be some sort of pathway, uh, whether that's internships or kind of joint, Mm. uh, joint projects or something along those lines uh, for young coaches to develop experience and, and kind of find their footing in, in the profession. Uh, and I think that's something that will definitely happen over the next 10 years.
0: Mm-hmm. I think a huge part of that is because people do make a living on it now and there is money. It's worth your while to have an internship and and dive in. Otherwise, if you're working like a dog with, uh, you know, you have a full time job, kids, the whole nine, you could be coaching somebody. But it's a lot harder to dive into it as much um, and taking on an intern, et cetera. Yeah, it's got to be professionalization of it. And then, um, yeah, maybe in the future, people start taking on interns and start making programs for coaches to learn on a scientific note. And I think anyone who tries to come in on, on a, a gimmicky level, maybe out the gate, you might get some people. But for long term, put it this way, if you start this next year, when we do in another 10 years, our second edition of the 10 year podcast, I don't I don't think we're going to be talking about them. Right. <laughs> Me if that makes sense. I did want to say you, you, I think you went first, Mike. And I I do say, or I do think, um, moving forward for the sport, if we're going to continue to grow and no longer, I think if we continue it just like we're doing, we're going to slowly become plateauing in terms of our growth as a sport, because we're, we're kind of maximizing what we can get out of it. I think if we're going to take it to the next level, it's going to take the ideas of, like SBD's doing with the SPD Invitational, where they say, "Okay, straight up, let's start doing, let's start doing showdowns, straight up matches." I just told you about the John Hack, Brett Gibbs gave me pumps. You're gonna start having to do across, you know, you look across the way. We're, we're figuring out right now. We're doing IPF points. Maybe the following year, it's two people from just specific showdowns from different weight classes. It's all gonna grow within ten yeah. years. You're gonna learn more and more. So I think showdowns are going to be big i think you cut your teeth in the ipf worlds you make a name for yourself and a stake for yourself in the ipf worlds and professional shows professional aspect of it starts popping up in the spd invitational and i can't say everything i know but i do know some of what you're saying bringing people in who do game day handling and are going to explain here's the significance of lot numbers chips the whole nine here's the significance of and start talking about If you get to dead last, if you're going first, because, you know, you're changing your deadlift twice, have a placeholder dead. Uh, But I know you got to go change your placeholder before I change my mind. So if we both walk out there, wave wave and give a tug and neither one of us get a dead, I win because I'm in the lead. Like the different aspects that you can't get into huge detail on the fly because you got 60 seconds before the next lift comes out. So it's only two lifters. You have a moment of the leading. When I said the John Hack, Brad Gibbs lead in I have, what if it's in the studio professional environment? And we're actually doing like boxers and UFC mm-hmm. fights you have a 10-minute intro. We're showing clips of you with your family, you know, Bryce with his kids, lifting weights, talking about what it means to him. And then on the other side of the world, there's there's Becky from Poland, entirely different life. And it's very interesting and phenomenal to take a look behind yeah. the curtain. And, oh, yeah. you, you know, it's inch- and then we start talking about, well, this guy's got the bigger dead, so here's why that might come into play. Yeah, but Bryce never misses a lift. So there's percentage chances of this happening, and then you actually lay down so when people watch, oh, shit, he did miss a lift, though. Oh, but he's got a placeholder dead. Now it makes sense, though. Now you know you're watching, though. And um, I think SPD Invitational is going the right route where, all right, too many people to do this too many people tell everybody's story too many let's um you know and and this is the first year and there and there's there's certain things out imagine five years six years seven years as long as this keeps moving i think that's we're going to see more and more towards that angle uh if i if i'm and i think ipf worlds might as well
3: so here's a question i just thought of if we were to think in terms of innovations in powerlifting so we talked about earlier on RPE. Another thing would be something like Mark Bell Slingshot or A7 bar grip T shirts. Do you guys see any potential for similar innovations in powerlifting like that could be you know down the road that like there's there's a there's a there's a there's a gap there that someone could fill if they had the 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 know how and the investment.
0: Are you asking us if we see any other sponsors for you? <laughs> <laughs> you basically ask, did I miss anybody? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's basically what you try to say. Did I miss a potential. Uh, no, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, fuck, that's a tough one because look at. I didn't think the Mark Bell slingshot would turn people into fucking millionaires. Mm. And, and look at what's happened. Like, that's a, that's actually a question. Like, SPD, look at. I I hope my speedy goes nowhere, obviously, but other, other people could come into the fold that we haven't even started yet. They're in someone's basement, tossing ideas around some coach, some lifter, some God knows what's going to happen in 10 years. Mm. And some piece of equipment we've never seen that changes the game. That's a good question, man. I don't know. I
3: I actually, I forgot. I thought, I just thought of what it was. It's the Mike Tishier front squat handles.
2: (laughs) be putting my
1: business out there like that. <laughs> sponsored by reactive training systems
4: <laughs> so there's, use use there's
3: the promo code Arthur Lynch <laughs> uh, shout out
1: <laughs> there's there's at least one area that's ripe for change and it's it's been ripe for a while and it's it's a combo rack that is safe for the lifter and for the spotters you know the We all know that monoliths look really crappy up on a big platform, but they've got a real advantage of, you know, if the bar drops, nothing's going to happen. So something that solves that problem would be lovely to see.
0: Yeah. Well, good call. It is. That is, if you could solve that, if you could solve because the monolith, you're right. 100%. It's, it's massive. It's bulky. It's tough on the eyes to watch. Um, But you're safe as safety, man. These fellas walk some massive weights out and like big dogs in the untested super heavyweights and they are super safe, man. But he's getting hurt. Yeah. And, and, and as well as at home for people too, when, when you got a spot, you know, if you have, if you can have a device.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So one, one last thing I'd love to see in a sport is, is for thing to have a really big, non-powerlifting sponsor so i'm talking things like a bank like a fast food company like a credit card an airline something like that just inject a a good amount of uh, resource in the sport i'll
3: see i'll see what i can do
1: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, you're gonna spin the shit out of pepsi uh coca-cola but can you imagine like pepsi brought to you by pepsi or that's look at crossfit didn't they get mm-hmm. who crossfit who bought them reebok was it so reebok bought crossfit yeah because i think if you don't i think if you have a gym and you're trying to be crossfit you got to kick some money or something i don't know i might be mm-hmm. talking at school sometimes i do that but um, hey look at uh, i mean if if a major sponsor stepped up to the plate like when i watch i'm, I'm a boxing and ufc guy they got the real sponsors, the big... I don't want to say real sponsors. Obviously, is a real sponsor doing big things. But I mean, uh, mainstream, multi-million dollar sponsorships, not just a company's worth multi-million. I mean, they're dropping millions, and that's what they expect. I think when that happens, here's what I think. If SPD can keep doing what they're doing, we might get on some TV. And if we get on some TV, like now we're t- like some, or if, I don't even know if TV's going to be a thing, a streaming service, because I <laughs> uh, look at me being old school, but you're like, why don't we just get on the radio too, Ryan? Um, but uh, if we, <laughs> who invited their grandpa? Um, no, but um, if we get on like streaming service, like Netflix or some shit like that, man, it'd be crazy. You know, and um, I think some major sponsors might start coming in here. If not individually sponsoring major events like the IPF Worlds, brought to you by Gatorade, and and then we're all making money, and that would not push SPD and those fellows out the door, because no, it's Gatorade. not. It's Gatorade. It's a, it's a, it's it's in SPD's best interest themselves. If they if they if SPD could still hold the event and Gatorade comes on, kicks in some money, and you know uh, who knows, I think I, it's possible. I think if we stay just doing what we're doing. We'll plateau. But I think if we keep, man, we are pretty clever cats. We proved that in the last 10 years. I think if we keep coming up with ideas, dudes like Peter Spence and SPD and whatnot, um, keep hustling Benjamin Banks and the IPF themselves, they'll they'll put together some pieces like this.
2: Yeah. What I hear you saying, Ryan, is that you feel like the future growth in powerlifting Stops coming from kind of a, a grassroots growth of popularity and number of memberships, and starts coming from financial investments.
0: I think we we're battling other sports for the recruitment of the athletic youth, and to do so, we got to start getting more mainstream. You can only survive so long. We got we we've maxed. We've done amazing on streams and whatnot. And we probably have some more growth to go but it's it's going to slow. But I think if we can make it onto some of the bigger platforms um, that's going to be when people are really going to see us. You know there's some bigger platforms out there. Although I mean look at boxing and some sports going on to zone. Um, you know if we if we strike a deal somewhere along those lines. And I think to do that I think like you like I think we all kind of agreed where we start telling the stories in the backgrounds and I think SPD's idea of size this down a little bit you know create a couple big showdowns here and there hey Danielle Mello, man of lords brett gives russell or let's get a guy in there for the battle taylor head up and stuff like that if some of those start happening milk their storyline milk what you're watching you have time to build it you have time for that and then sponsors are like okay i can wrap my head around this sure i can wrap my head around this now yeah this looks a lot better you know, it's, uh, I think we could tidy up. I think we're about to. I swear, I, I shit you not, I think the SPD Invitational is the first major step. And I think if they kill it, do it right, other people in the untested divisions and whatnot might start tightening up their shows as well. Being like, you know what? I like the idea. Yep. Uh, we, we did a poll. And it was, would you rather see records or would you rather see showdowns? Fucking landslide. Showdowns. I want showdowns. I don't want to see a guy do an exhibition, come up here, lift basically unopposed, hit a record, yep. we clap. I guess, I guess that's good. Good. But it's all good. It's all heavy. You squat 700 or you squat 695. It's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. you're battling out with another guy neck and neck, and it came down to the last deadlift. That's better. That's what sports is. I don't want to see Michael Jordan do three throws and see how many he could get in a row. I want to see Michael Jordan go head-to-head with Magic Johnson. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like one, it's, it's not the same. That's not what sports is. And I think yeah. once – I think the untested hasn't wrapped their head around that or or gotten to that point where they can have that. They've gotten flirting with it. But that's the one thing that we're kind of moving towards. And I think that's going to be a major breakthrough for us. We'll see. What do you guys think? Are we we getting close to the end? We're getting close to two hours. Do we have any points to throw up there? Are we getting close to wrapping up, fellas? Arthur, what do you think of my man?
3: I think we'll be close to wrapping up in about nine years' time. (laughs) (laughs) When we get a. Everything we really want to say on this, um, uh,
0: I, I want to make sure Arthur has enough time to get all the sponsors going to
3: yeah.
0: you, <laughs> you, you already did. <laughs> oh,
4: it's, it's okay.
3: I'll I'll record a, a separate intro and outro and uh, middle, ah. uh, like a separate advert adver, <laughs> advertising segment every fifteen minutes. <laughs> all right. All right. You,
0: I'll take the video and superimpose some, yeah. some
3: logo. Uh, no, I think I think you tied it up beautifully man i think that um that just about covers the lot unless if bryce or mike has anything dad
1: uh just just a little summary that you know i i didn't really know what to expect in this conversation but i think what i've learned is that powerlifting over the last decade has kind of stood on a lot of people who had just an idea of a way to bring powerlifting to more people or make it more accessible or break down barriers. And, and it's really just the collection of a lot of people. Uh, like it's, it's really grassroots, like Mike was saying, and, and, um, who knows where it goes from here, but it's, it's been the effort of a lot of people together that made it what it is today.
3: Yeah. I think actually, sorry, w- one final point I'll make is that, so we were talking about social media earlier on and I really don't think you can overstate the the influence that I, that has had. Just to give you some context. So if you take myself, for instance. So four years ago, five years ago now, I commented under a video that Brett Gibbs shared. Just chance on my arm. I was just being like, hey, man, any chance we could get you over to Ireland for a seminar? He, res- he responded. He said, hey, man, if you're serious, email me. We set it up, he came over, I collected him at the airport, I brought him to my gym and to another gym up the country. And uh, I remember at one point in the car, he was just like, so hey man, you going to IPF Worlds? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I I got invited, but no, I I can't go. And he's like, oh, why not? Ah, like sure, it's, it's in the States, man. There's no way I can afford that. And he's like, oh. And then after the whole thing was said and done, he contacted me subsequently, and he's like, "Hey man, I was remembering our our conversation in the car, um, where you were saying you couldn't afford to to come to Worlds. I'm I'd be prepared to sponsor you some money to get you there." And I'm like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Oh fuck, are you serious?" And he's like, "Yeah, man. I mean, I I really had a blast over in Ireland. I I just like to repay you." And I'm like, "Oh man, that's that's way too much." Um, so himself serious. and so himself and Hancock. Sponsored me to go to Worlds in 2016. Not only that, I get to Worlds and I'm with my mates, and we're like, we're like kids in a candy shop. We're meeting guys like Bryce, Mike. I mean, I remember we we interrupted Mike during a training session for a photo, and I was just like, oh man, the guy probably fucking hates us. Uh, <laughs> like, like that was you? I would have done this
0: podcast if I knew that. <laughs>
3: posing posing for photos with, with Ray Williams and I was just like this is this is fucking surreal and not only that then but like we developed these contacts subsequently where I, I I emailed Bryson like hey man would you come over to Ireland for a seminar and then we myself um and my two friends Danny Lennon and Garbin we set up the European powerlifting conference which was basically just a load of lads bringing a load of well-known respected uh, guys in the field over for you know, something that that looks like an academic conference on powerlifting. And this is all because of social media, basically, you know what I mean? So I I, I just wanted to share that story because I think it, it really can't be overstated, the influence that 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 has had on the sport.
2: Well, it's interesting how those things snowball, right? That yeah. You know, it's, it starts with one comment and then it becomes this thing. And, you know, like EPC is a, is a major event now you know and and to think that that started with with you making a comment on a video uh some years ago like that's pretty cool yeah, yeah I
0: mean, it, it just shows like we're saying how resilient power lifters are like you guys came up with that idea organized it, putting together conferences and like no 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 corporation is coming over with the backing it's just some dudes lifting weights who come up with these ideas and just going to make it happen and make mm-hmm. it be and make it, make, it a, make it good that you could actually afford to bring guys from all over the world to do it. And guys like Brett making sure, like, you know, just paying for it as well. Um, I think everybody's going to be hitting up Brett's DMs, asking for a sponsorship now. <laughs> <laughs> you still going to this year if you could slide me a little bit. I don't know, Brett. But uh, anyways, I'll be DMing him after this conversation. But um, Yeah, man. it's. Uh, I think if I... And it kind of wrap up me looking back, it is, look how far we've come. And it's, it's literally been on the backs of all of us, you know, like us as in powerlifting community, everybody pitching in, man, you know, from, we, we sponsor, we're not mainstream even with our followers. It's because we actually support our own and support other lifters. Because um, if we, if like people didn't get up to 500,000 followers off the mainstream, we're not very mainstream. So it's us supporting each other, just like Brett's doing, you know, coming on podcasts and stuff like that. Some people, they get nervous. They don't want to do a podcast leading up to certain things, but they're like, fuck, I got to, you do what you got to do. Right. You're like, if we don't like, this is how you get people excited and get the message out or, or disseminate information or holding conferences or, or doing recaps like this, like everyone kind of put and no one put it. I guess what I'm trying to say is when we all build it together as a community, not very many of us get too big for other people and forget that and be like, I'm too big. It's like, dude, you're not shit once you step out of the community. Don't kid yourself. Nobody in the grocery store cares. Only the community cares. And we built this, so give back. You know, you can't get high and mighty when the community built you because nobody gives a shit once you step outside of it. I also can't But, uh, but I, ha- I haven't met anybody who's bigger than who's like that. I haven't run into that person yet who thinks they're outside the community that built them. They always give back to the same community that I gave to them.
2: Yeah. So, I think, I think that's, be- something that's true about the character of powerlifting that's, that's stayed true. And that I hope continues to stay true is that, you know, lifters support each other. And mm-hmm. that's something that I hope, you know, whether we play up matchups or, or don't, or however things change, I hope that that's something that stays.
0: I think there's, I think there it is. I think we found our cap. That the last decade is we built this, and that the next decade, let's hope, when Coke and Pepsi and Gateway come in, we still don't lose our fucking heads. And nobody, and I hope anybody who's in 10 years, the next Russell Orhe in 10 years, who doesn't even know who Russell Orhe is, realizes and doesn't get too big, you know what I mean, the next big superstar, because there was a Russell Orhe before him. All right, fellas. Thank you for coming on, Arthur. Thanks for putting this together, my man, reaching out and thinking of me. And uh, this is a great idea,
3: dude it's been fantastic to have you guys um i've thoroughly enjoyed this i'm i'm, I'm glad oh, i i'm glad i thought of the idea that's the, the extent <laughs> of all i did <laughs> it's
1: been <laughs> a lot of fun guys
0: send us send us the audio i know i'll share it on k-lifts and if you i don't know if you guys want to share it on your platforms but there's a nice little cross pollination all of our lifters or all of our lifters all of our listeners get to hear it and yeah. uh yeah man Hey, actually, give a shout to all your your platforms as well. I guess your platforms will hear it if you're going to share it there.
3: Yeah. Well, firstly, I'd like to thank all my sponsors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, yes. You can follow ourselves on No Lift Podcast, all one word, on Instagram. Um, if you prefer Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook page, No Lift Podcast listeners. Just search that on Facebook. You should find it, and uh, and um, that's about it, really.
0: Bryce, how about you, sir? You're coaching the whole coaching services and the whole night?
3: Sure. Uh, I offer
1: coaching with my company, The Strength Athlete. We help drug-free powerlifters around the world get better. You can find us at thestrengthathlete.com. Same on Instagram. And myself, Bryce underscore TSA on Instagram.
0: Beautiful. My man, Mike T., how did they get a hold of you, sir?
2: Um. Mike to sheer on Instagram or reactive training systems on Instagram or YouTube or reactive training systems.com.
0: And all you guys, Arthur, you do coaching as well, right? Am I talking out of school?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Um, the well, easiest man. way to get me there is just email me. Arthur at city gym, So that's C I T Y G Y M L K.com.
0: There it is. And King of the list. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, all the audio platforms, King of the Lifts. And that is it, my friends. Talk to you in 10 years.
3: (laughs) 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 Thank you for coming on, fellas. It's been a blast. Sweet.
4: Thank you, guys. guys.
3: Take care, everyone.